Hello, everybody. Hello, welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm Sam. I'm Dennis. And this week we have a special guest, Lauren Milberger from Hi. the Murphy Brown Podcast, actor, writer, podcaster. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. We are thrilled to have you. We, you know, this is something that we've kind of been planning for uh, a little while now and scheduling, of course, around the holidays can always be a little weird, but uh, we, we made it happen. We're, we're making a lot happen recently. So I'm, I'm thrilled that you're able to join us and, and that we've got this going now. Well, not only have I been a almost lifelong fan of Quantum Leap, uh, it is probably the most crossover that we have with Murphy Brown. Obviously, Scott Bakula <laughs> has been on Murphy Brown, so mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, but uh, there are a lot of guest stars who've been in a lot of episodes. Cos- Cosmica- oh, my goodness. Cosmic. Cosmicot. Oh my God. I can't. I've had a very long day. <laughs> Say it for me. What's the name of the episode? Kamikaze Kid. kid. <laughs> wow. That's great right out of the gate. Just embarrass myself with not being able to say a word. I have been up since uh, 7 a.m. Um, there are two actors from Murphy Brown who were in there. We had one of them on as a guest, actually, who talked about Scott. So um, I nice. would say next to West Wing, this is the other show other than Murphy Brown that we talk about the most on the podcast and that I talk about on Twitter. That's fantastic. I, for what it's worth, I want to see the cosmic Kazi kid because I just feel like that's something Thank you. weird, Thank you very much. And interesting, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it would have to take place in outer space, and I'm probably I'm there for it, yes. So you know, yeah. There you go. Um, when I haven't slept, my dyslexia comes out bikes. really bad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Say when I haven't slept, my dyslexia gets really bad, and then I can't speak. Well, all is forgiven. Nothing to worry about. Uh, we get tongue-tied plenty uh, around here. Um, oh, yeah. And we edit nothing, so... Uh, I know, that's <laughs> why I'm like... Words at all. I just, no one knows right before we started recording, I'm talking about, oh, I've ne- I'm, I'm used to editing my podcast, and I have never done a video podcast before. Oh, it'll be fine. And right out of the gate, I embarrass myself. <laughs> maybe I've, well, I've endeared myself to people. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. out of the way. There you go. That's it. That's all it takes. That's um, all. Well, it's a privilege. I, I'm excited. I honestly, uh, to, to my embarrassment and my shame, I was completely unaware that a Murphy Brown podcast existed. Um, but it excited me the moment I found out because I just think it, it, it's it's a show that you know bears rewatching, even though it's not easy to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's a show that uh, should absolutely be talked about in the same way that you know podcasters all over the place, including us, talk about shows that have been off the air for you know 20, 30 years. Um, it, you know, it was such a vital show, and it was a very important show while it aired and i feel like the the you know truth of the matter is in spite of the reboot it doesn't feel like as present as it could be uh in in sort of the pop culture conversation that takes place um so uh i don't know what are your thoughts on that i mean obviously you're a part of a murphy brown podcast so uh, tell me if i'm wrong (laughs) Uh, i think i think you are right and i think there's a couple of reasons i think the first one is that it isn't easy to find it's uh, because of the music rights. It's not officially streaming, but you can find it. It's out there. <laughs> um, and uh, and also, I think which is a mistaken is I think that some people think, oh, well, the reason I can't find it is because it's so topical that I'm not going to understand it and it's dated. And yes, there are a lot of topical mm. references which we bring up on the show, and we do sidebars and we talk about you know the history of certain things. But what 
we also do, which we were even surprised on how often it comes up, is there's just so much political 90s uh, minutiae and things that maybe were, you know, small or minutiae at the time, which aren't now, which are resonating today. And that's something that we right. really love to do on the show to be like, hey, you know, this is this comedy, but here's this joke about George W. Bush, which connects to this, which connects to that. So really, it is relevant. Uh, and not, every, you know, listen, maybe you're not going to get every joke if you weren't, you know, alive in 1992 sure, sure. or, you know, present. When we watched it as kids, there were jokes that we didn't get. Um, right, I mean, that's right. been sort of the joy of my quantum leap rewatch um, that I went into recently, as well as rewatching Murphy Brown, is going back to these shows that we all used to watch when we were kids and seeing a different perspective, still enjoying it, but maybe on a different level and, and getting different parts of it. But yeah. I still think that it is enjoyable. It has wonderful performances. It's funny. It's tight. Uh, it's longer than most sitcoms because this, you know, as we know with the new Quantum Leap, you know, network shows are now shorter because of more commercials. Right. Um, so there's more character development, I think, than people might be used to in a modern sitcom. Um, and yeah, no, I think that it is really accessible. And the people that I know who didn't grow up with it, who have found it, who have come to us through the podcast, who may be younger than me or maybe just missed it at the time have really said the same thing that that they yeah. have been able to connect with it whether they're 21 25 45 uh and i think that there might be a misunderstanding that people think that that's the reason why it's not out there as opposed to it just being the music rights which as quantum right. fans we are very familiar with i still yeah. own the bad mia version <laughs> of <laughs> Probably why I didn't go back to those DVDs a lot. Oh, so traumatic. So traumatic. Yeah, I, I never could. <laughs> I never could bring myself to buy them. I, I I I was aware of the music stuff, and I just couldn't do it. I was like, I well, didn't the know. Only thing, yeah, I, I well, found out after. I, I think they were mm -hmm. gifts too, because everyone knew that it was like that was. Those were my two shows growing up: Murphy Brown and Quantum Leap. Like when yeah. Scott Bakula. Uh, I think was really the first thing that he announced after Quantum Leap was that was going to be his, you know, his next gig. People were mm, like, Lauren, yeah. Lauren, I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't do anything. Like people were just like, they, I was known for that. So it's like, what, what happened? What? Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. <laughs> you, you know, it's so funny because you mentioned West Wing earlier and I feel like, uh, what a missed opportunity there. Like Scott would have been great, like for like a featured, you know, role for a stretch yeah. of episodes on the West Wing. I would have loved to have seen. Was that. he busy at the time? Um, <laughs> was, was he wasn't doing oh he was doing enterprise enterprise that's which, it uh, yeah it was that's it why. was right i think i think west wing started right before enterprise but but yeah he was doing mm -hmm. enterprise for for the bulk of west wing um it's interesting though you know one other thing i'll mention um before we get to uh thanking all the the wonderful people who, who donate to us uh is that you have shows like murphy brown you mentioned sort of the, the topical nature of it um but I feel like so many shows that are good at their core, if they're written well, they're performed well, rise above any of that. And if you miss a reference here or there, it rarely, you know, dampens the enjoyment of the show or what you'll take from it. And I think of shows like Boston Legal. I think of shows like The West Wing that certainly, you know, are, are elements of their time and reference current events in certain ways. But the, you know, the spine of those stories and the spine of those arcs for those characters are absolutely relatable and and incredibly important. And I think that 
you know, you mentioned the, the way that those storylines resonate um, for better and for worse oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, that's the important thing. You know, that's the testament to to quality work, you know, to a quality piece of art is that you'll still be able to get something from it after the fact, even if you're not necessarily picking up on every reference. I mean, just look at Shakespeare. I mean, so much of Shakespeare is, you know, there's so many references to things that were happening in the 16th century and, and that nobody in the audience gets except for that one English lit professor who's laughing his ass off in the back row. And yet, and yet those stories obviously still hold up. Um, naturally, a lot of that stuff gets stripped out nowadays in cuttings and, and whatnot. But yeah. that said, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, there's a reason why there's a reason why you have a Murphy Brown podcast. There's a reason why we have a quantum leap podcast, even before the new show uh, came out is because the, the, those shows do resonate and they, they touch upon something that is very, very human. And, is, and, 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 and part of that is the struggles that, that we have with each other over the course of millennia, much less over the course of decades. So it's, I, I, I'm glad to hear that that's not the reality of why Murphy Brown is not accessible, but I am also kind of almost a little horrified to hear that that's like a, a yeah. block for some people, you know? Um, Cause it's like, no, if it's good, it's good. Don't worry about, don't worry about catching every single reference. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think just sort of also highlighting the reason why is we are sort of in this time now where, Everyone will say, oh, well, everything's on the internet, everything's streaming, everything's available, <laughs> but it's not. And then you look at whole sections of pop culture that are going to disappear. Right. I mean, uh, I think the biggest thing that people bring up online is when they're going through The Simpsons, right? Because there's this um, sort of, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, one of, one of um, there's an episode where a character is singing... Um, you make me feel like a natural woman. I don't think it's to mm. a baby. I haven't seen it in forever. I think it might be like a, a lizard or something. <laughs> People are just yelling at me who are listening who love The Simpsons. There's a lot of episodes in a lot of years. Um, yes. But... Uh, and a lot of people online, I would see go, oh, you don't get that this is supposed to be a parody of the episode of Murphy Brown when she had a baby. Or the mm. episode of Seinfeld when Kramer goes to be one of Murphy Brown's secretaries, right? Like, mm. so now these like these sort of little nuggets of pop culture and other pieces of pop culture that people aren't understanding. And that's the only way that it exists now. Yeah. And, uh, right. and that worries me, right? And now, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, Murphy Brown is owned by Warner Brothers. So... Odds are this is not going to happen for a very long time, if not uh, yeah. ever. Um, right. But it's still online, and you can come to our Twitter account, and, and you will find out where you can watch it. <laughs> you know, because that's the thing. So do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, that's not true. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea where you can watch it. <laughs> I know. I mean, that that's the thing because, like, I until like I, I got reintroduced to the show like through your pod. Like, I watched that show almost religiously when I was a kid. And even like watching Candace Bergen on Boston Legal, because I was a huge Boston Legal fan, like it, it just like totally <laughs> out of my memory because it's not an omnipresent TV show like Seinfeld or Friends or all those things. And that's just, it's a shame because I think it's a much better TV show than Seinfeld or Friends or, <laughs> you oh, know. Well, we and the writers of Murphy Brown, thank you. <laughs> and I say we, I mean me and my podcast host, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's also been sort of the great thing is 
coming back to this, uh, my co-host Jesse and I, we grew up, you know, loving it as kids and then being able to meet the people behind the show and have them come mm. on and talk about it and get to know them and, and get to express to them. This meant a lot to me when I was 13 and thank you. That's and awesome. I think that's also a real sort of added bonus to bringing back these podcasts, bringing back awesome. these podcasts, doing podcasts about shows from our youth. Yes. I'm bringing it full circle. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So before we jump in, and so this episode, we're just going to be talking about the lore of Quantum Leap and what everything we've learned from the first eight episodes, what new nuggets that we can come from there. And we really want to have Lauren on for this. So just want to have you on in general, but like you talk a lot on on Twitter about I didn't, I didn't mean that. See, we talk about you talk a lot on Twitter. No, no, I knew where you were going. That's, that's why I'm the, just blushing. That, that's that's the, that's the sound bite. And uh, we're canceled. Gosh. No, yes. uh, Lauren, yeah. Lauren, get on Twitter. I, I take I take I take unfortunate Shatner breaks in some places. Uh, you, you talk a lot on Twitter about. The Calavicis. About the Calavicis, specifically, <laughs> and what everything we've learned in the first eight episodes. Uh, not just what we know, but like all of the little threads of what does this mean thematically? Yes. Or what was the Calavici family like in this new timeline? Because I think a lot of people, I know me included, like we just, you know, we had in our head from, you know, Beth and Al, they never... No, they they stayed remarried. They had four daughters. They celebrate the 39th wedding anniversary. Everything was happily ever after. And like what we're learning from these first few episodes is that it it's it's not. Janice has a very strained relationship with her mom, or she calls her Beth. Uh Al was haunted <laughs> after Sam disappeared. Which makes perfect sense. And never let it go. And that makes perfect sense. So uh, it's just very interesting. And we're going to, I mean, we, we, we did a lot of pre-gaming before we hit record. Yeah, but I would it's, love uh, to make a point that I think that's sort of, you know, uh, revivals have uh, uh, pros and cons, right? And the con of a revival is that story needs conflict. So any happy ending that is created in a finale, you know, as much as you want a revival and we want a revival and we love it and we're so excited, but without conflict, there's no story. So all happy endings are going to have to be, I don't want to say rerouted because life is complicated, right? Marriage is complicated. Children is complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being in a happier place doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. But we don't think about that because we get our happy ending and we go, great, this is what we want. Al is happy. He has the love of his life. They have four children. Fantastic. Sam, sadly, is out there, but he wanted to be out there. That was his choice. And I'm obviously, you know... uh, <laughs> summarizing this uh, very uh, uh, succinctly so mm. no one you know send me the tweets for not going through the breadth of that <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could talk about the finale which is one of my favorite finales of all time and I know that people don't agree with me but I digress um, <laughs> I guess what I'm getting I, at I is mean, that I agree with you in some I, ways <laughs> I feel like a lot of, yeah, yeah right yeah mm. okay we'll have a whole episode about that but what I'm trying to get at is that there, that that's what that is inevitably what was going to happen because that's what brings story. And also we're coming back into someone's life and life is not perfect. And that's one thing that I always loved about quantum leap. It's about the joy and the tragedy. Al's life is very tragic. He's like a, he's like a Dickens character. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he always was able to keep his heart. 
through right. it all, right? And that mm. is a testament to um, the character, to Dean's performance, um, and you see why he's friends with Sam. Um, right. Well, but, I, I, I think just just real quick to yeah, pick up what you're off. saying. I think that one of the things is is like, no, it's fine. I, I think that the the heart that he has, though, I would argue, is almost lost, and it's Sam that's the one that taps into making sure that it comes back. I mean, that's you know, a really Sam, good point. Yeah. And that's one of the benefits of their relationship. And I think that, you know, that there's untold, obviously, stories about what Al was able to do for Sam, because one of the things that we don't talk enough about um, is the fact that when Sam met Al, you know, his dad had died a few years before his sister had been in this horrible relationship. He's still haunted by the loss of his brother in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And he also got stood up at the altar. Like, so clearly there was a lot of work that Al had to do for Sam. Well, wait a um, second. That's interesting yeah. that you say that because the way we're going to go to the original series here, the way, <laughs> at least the way the Dean plays it, when he, when he sees Donna, he knows Donna. So I always assumed that, and, and also it is heavily implied that, that, that Al was his best man. So mm, I yeah. would say that Al was there for him when Donna left him. He didn't, or he had not already been left when he met Al. That's right. the impression yes. that I get. I, I, yes, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I misspoke. I, I, I was just kind of lumping that in with the other, with the other stuff, but you're, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that obviously that relationship is, is, I mean, it's the spine of the original series and it's so incredibly important, I think, even to the revival series that it always bears, you know, talking about, thinking about and kind of figuring out how these pieces fit. And kind of like what Dennis was saying, the conversations that I've seen you have on Twitter have always done such a wonderful job of taking the bits that we know to be true and applying those to conversations that bear weight for whatever might be happening in the moment on the new show Thank you. while also bringing in absolutely while also bringing in wonderful elements that might not necessarily be like fact or canon by the tv series whatever you know that means for people but uh but certainly i, I enhance the conversation enrich the conversation and take us off in interesting directions that uh that then give us the opportunity to you know try to put some of those puzzle pieces together as active and engaged viewers which i think is so important and it's 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 the type of thing that i, I do believe some people who might be watching the show now aren't necessarily wanting to do that work and i think that that's unfortunate because it's for me, I mean, it's part of the fun and Agreed. even more so it's part of the fun to see those conversations happening. I think, you know, listen, everyone's different. Everyone absorbs information and media and entertainment in different ways. Um, I, I come from an acting background. I mean, all of us come from an acting background. I was always, uh, I think the best way to explain why I do that is in a Shakespeare class, which I had to take outside of the theater department. I almost failed my Shakespeare class because I was looking at all of the roles as if I was playing them, not as to what a history or an English teacher would say was fact. So in Richard III, when we were supposed to take for fact that Anne falls in love with him right away, I was like, uh, excuse me, um, her entire family is dead. Uh, she's a woman in a time when it's not good to be a woman. Maybe she gets with the guy who wants to live. 
<laughs> and he's like, no, no. I was like, but it's it's uh, a role. Like, there's no one way. It's a play. It's theater. Nope, this right. is the way it is. And it went, finally, I was so young, I didn't quite understand what was happening. I thought we were having a discussion. One of my mm-hmm. classmates went, um, I'm sorry, you have to understand, she's arguing it like she's playing the role. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry, I thought that's what we were doing. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't used to working with actors. Used to working, you know, teaching English majors. So um, I feel like I can't help myself from doing all that. And also, it's part of my training too. But I, I think that you don't have to have an acting degree or come from an acting background to do that work. I think it's fun, Absolutely. but some people don't find it fun, and it's not how their brain works. Um, so. I appreciate that you enjoy that. And I don't know if people necessarily don't want to do the work. There, I'm sure there are people who don't. Um, I think also many people forget that we are using all of the information from five seasons of a show that we now can absorb and regurgitate at once. Right, right. Television doesn't work that way. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite quotes, which I think applies to 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 all the shows we're talking about, is um, Aaron Sorkin used to say that writing television is like writing in a tunnel. You can't see the light at the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that applies to some other things I'll talk about a little bit later. But I I think that unfortunately, maybe if we're talking about criticism here is online, is that I think some people just don't get that it's going to take a little bit longer for them to get the answers that they need. And right. there's, they're not getting answers because it isn't there. They're not getting answers because it's a mystery. Yeah. And I it's get it. It's going to happen. It, it's going to happen. Just wait. Right. And I think from, from the point of view of some folks, they're probably thinking, I've been waiting for 30 years. You know, they're not necessarily sure. thinking about it in terms of like, we've had eight episodes, um, which is, like I said, it was just completely understandable. Um, but it's very true that, I mean, there's answers. There's answers coming. Um, there's answers coming. But first, we're going to thank some patrons and then... Oh! <laughs> no, no. This is the episode's longest tea. The, one of our longest teases ever. Please, oh, thank people. Yeah, then we're going to thank some people and then we'll jump back in here. Uh, we want to thank... We want to thank this week. Al's Play Sleep Fan Site, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn, Cosplay Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Kevin, and... Kevin Butcher, Carol Davis, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganey, Jason Geis, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Bess A. Corey, Lady Eternal, Rob Nunn, Oddly Specific with Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Saul, Karen Saxon, Mike Stouffer, Heather Strubiak, she wrote us a letter to let us to clarify. Uh, had some Fantastic. other lovely things to say, but she to clarify the, the pronouncement of her last name. Damon Sugamelli, Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Jill Wilson. See, there's me tripping over my, my words. Jill Wilson. Sorry, Jill. Our anonymous donors. Uh, and Sam and I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Sam and I may have forgotten that we're going to start doing this. We also want to add uh, a couple of other special thank yous to this list here. And that is Jessica Conger. And Betsy Freimeyer. Those are our wives, spouses, Aww, partners. I'm not much aggrieved. Uh, much <laughs> <No>. aggrieved. Um, <laughs> they, uh, perhaps most important of all, they are the ones providing vile, 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 vile. I'm sorry. <laughs> they are. For me. I know. No, 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 no. We, we, 
Uh, we infected each other. No, uh, vital, vital <laughs> child care while we are recording to our four combined kids. And so we just want to make, to get, we give them a special shout out as well. This is already like the, the weirdest episode. I mean, this is the best way that we have ever recorded because it feels like there are these times where we're just already going off the rails for one reason or sure, another. Yeah. And then yet it comes back. And all of a sudden it's like, me. this is the best conversation I've ever had. So I, I know I'm loving it. Um, no, it's definitely not just you. I wanted to add uh, real quick to it to this said, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there was an opportunity tonight, even when uh, I, I looked at Jess and I was just sort of like, you know, I'm going to be more thoughtful about when I schedule these things going forward. And she's like, oh, it's fine. And I was like, no, 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 I get that. And I really, really appreciate that. I'm just letting you know that I'm going to be more thoughtful about when I schedule these things, because I realize that, you know, Sunday nights at seven, while it might seem like, oh, that's a perfect time, you know, not much is going on that that sometimes can be kind of a busy time for you and, and, and especially getting our daughter to bed and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, maybe we'll, we'll explore some other, some other times, push it back a little later or whatever. But, um, they're amazing. And the kids are amazing too. You know, uh, there have been a couple of times I know that people are aware that Hattie has stumbled into to the room uh, in her pajamas and, you know, said hi, or, or uh, Harrison has done the same uh, with Dennis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it, it, this time of year, but certainly every day, it's always wonderful to be able to be very thankful for our families and very thankful for our families' understanding. And as Dennis sometimes likes to joke, behind every man with a podcast is a woman wondering why she married a man who has a podcast. <laughs> Yes. There's a t-shirt to get for him there. We got, <laughs> oh, there's yeah. a support group out there. Um and and of course, as as usual, I'll keep it brief because I want to get back to the meat of the conversation. That's what people are here for. I just want to thank everyone. I'm always really so humbled as Dennis goes down that list because I think, oh, surely that's the last name and it keeps on going. And I'm also incredibly grateful for the fact that so many of those names have popped up recently, you know, as Twitter friends or Facebook friends or, you know, requests and whatnot. And it's just wonderful to be able to not only uh, have your support, but also be able to count some of you as friends, as people that I get to talk to and not necessarily just about quantum leap so um thank you all so incredibly much and if you wish to donate uh by all means that sounds wonderful to me but i just say like hey make sure you're giving back to your community throwing a little something in especially this time of year people need it it's you know it can be a dark depressing time for a lot of people um and, and we can all help out and if after that there's still some coins rattling around you want to throw them our way we will gladly accept them and we will do everything we can to make this podcast even better and to also just you know, thank you all from the bottom of our hearts, which have grown three sizes this day. So thank you. <laughs> that was so lovely from both of you. Oh, we have our moments. We do, <laughs> we do. <laughs> and, and then I go and call everybody a jerk who doesn't agree with me. No, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we have our usual places that you can donate. Uh, I won't run through them now just for the sake of brevity. They are in our show notes. We have monthly, we have one-time options, or you can just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your lovely pods from. But anyway, so now that I screeched the brakes on the conversation like where five minutes we? ago, where, I mean, we were, uh, where to, where did well, jump back in? If I can mention the letter reminded Please. me something that I had not remembered until I was lucky enough to be plunged back into this fandom since I was 16 is I had a quantum leap pen pal that I forgot I had. No um, way. That I found in the back of a zine, a quantum leap zine. 
That's and fantastic. She, she lived in St. Louis. So it was like, oh my God, she's from the same town as Scott Bakula. We were like super <laughs> excited. And we would write letters to each other. And she also liked Murphy Brown. And we would like write quotes from the show and like paste them on the envelope. Um, wow. And most of like, like the end of middle school, I think the beginning of high school, like she was a year older than me. So when she went off to college, she was like, I don't have time to write you. I was devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had completely forgotten that I had gotten, I think I remembered I had her as a pen belt, but I was reminded from again being plunged back but also I went to visit my parents I found all of my stuff that I like I had books and pens and um so much things I don't even know what the name of the zine was I wish that I could remember and I could shout out whoever created the zine but it meant so much to me to find all of these quantum leap fans um and uh and I I just sort of was reminded to mention that that I um was a really great thing to have this person to just write letters about quantum leap to so have you looked her up um, I, I mean, she has a very generic name. Oh, okay. So I don't think, and I don't want to mention her name just in case. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. but I did, I did when I remembered it, I was like, oh, and I Googled, but it's a very generic name. So it's hard to know. And uh, I mean, I don't, she sent me a picture once, but I don't, you know, remember where it would mm-hmm. be or if I still, I'm sure I still oh, had sure. it or my parents moved and took a lot of my childhood stuff. I digress. But, um, but I found two huge full color quantum leap books. I forgot wow. that I had, as well as obviously the books. And um, I had a couple of the um, comic books, which I think I showed on Twitter. Mm. Um, I had tons of pins that I bought from fans and I bought from official stuff. And um, I also forgotten that I had written Dean a letter and he wrote me back. Oh, that's right. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a postcard, and it's, but it's real and it's signed. And I was like, mm. oh, I forgot I had this. Uh, I don't know if I didn't write Scott or he, j- I did a lot of letters when I was in middle school. Like mm-hmm. I wrote everybody. And when you, <laughs> and when you are fans of character actors, your return rate is much higher. Um, <laughs> cause they're just, they're not getting letters from 15 year old girls. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I digress, but, uh, this was really nice to be like, Oh, I have, I, I knew I really loved the show, but I forgot all of the merch that I had. That's yeah. really oh, sweet. That's so cool. Yeah. This is a moment in the podcast where we tell everyone who's listening, the letter was something that you wrote on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. Yeah. Every, I'm sure everyone who's listening right now knows. Um, yeah. But but I, I love that. I love the fact that, you, you know, I, I think one of the things that we might start to take for granted, and certainly I don't think we did when we started this podcast, is the idea that there are all of these communications that are happening around the series and that that's not necessarily something that's new and that quantum leap inspired a very devoted fandom you know at the time and that there were people out there that were communicating with one another and 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 honestly it really wasn't very different i know some people might roll their eyes at this because of the way that they are now completely different in in size and scope but at the time it's not so different from the way star trek was when it was originally airing it was very similar i feel like to the you know with the rise of the zines and the fan fiction and the pin pals and the you know the letter writing campaigns to keep the show on the air and everything like learning a little bit recently more about the history of of star trek and those initial 3 seasons there are a lot of fascinating parallels between oh, it Yeah. um, Right down to the last season and the way that the last seasons were kind of managed and produced compared to the seasons prior. Um, So I I, I love hearing that. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I do think that that's incredibly, you know, cool and and kind of heartwarming. And and the idea that, you know, the show was able to 
you know, to bring you that, you know, and and through a zine, through something that was fan produced, you know, not, yeah. not something that was official. The people were able to find each other before the internet, before like, I can't even right. tell you how I found out about this zine. <laughs> I have no clue how I knew to subscribe to it or find it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I did order old Starlog magazines. Mm, wow. I, you know, I wish ordered, I would have been unquantumly. Sorry, mm. go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, I wish I would have been a little bit more open to those types of things when I was younger, because like you mentioned Starlog, like I would absolutely pick those up, you know, when I was out and I saw, you know, at the bookstore or if I was at a convention or something like that. But I can very specifically remember being at a convention one time and there was a table and it's where I got my original Quantum Leap soundtrack CD. And I, and I remember there being zines there on the table and I didn't pick them up. And the reason why I didn't is I was like, well, they're not official and I don't really, you know, and, and I mean, I was like 12 or 13 or whatever, but still I, I, looking back, I'm like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have turned my nose up at that because I I feel like it would have been a wonderful world for me to explore and flash forward a couple of years, especially with the internet and AOL message boards and getting, you know, being heavier into doctor who I had no problem getting like fan created stuff at the time, because in some ways it was all that we had, you know, and, 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 and now obviously have no issues with, you know, that kind of dialogue, because in a way that's what we're doing here. You know, we're, we're basically right writing those articles, we're just saying it out loud, you know, yeah. in more of an extemporaneous fashion. And um, so there's so much value there. And, and, and I'm just so, I think in a way you can't help but be uplifted by the fact that it, it is something, the conversation has been going on for, you know, 35 yeah. years. I mean, during just, my rewatch, and I'm sure we all do this, you know, you start Googling and you're like, oh, what is that? You know, looking things up. And I would notice things in like, the Wikipedia that I was like, I don't remember that on the show and then find out that Mm -hmm. it had been added by fans who just made it up, which is cool. But the fact that it's like now sort of part of this sort of online canon to the point of which Janice, right, is a name that I think some Mm -hmm. fans voted on, right? Um, I would like to know, I would like to vote on that. Um, I have some ideas, Um, which is still really amazing that as a tribute, they took that. But like, there's so many things that I see, like, for example, which I was going to ask both of you, there's so many things that, oh, Sam and Al met in 1984. I, I didn't catch that when I watched the show at all. Is that from a book? Did someone make that up? Is it just a canon we've all agreed on? <laughs> what, where did the, you know, I, I, I want it sourced and no one will source it. And, um, but it makes sense to me. And then we all collectively agree that that's what it is. And then, you know, a writer could look it up and go and just assume, right? You know, I'm, there's too much show for them to watch, right? And if you want to check right. something... You're going to Google it. You Google it and you see something and you go, oh, yeah, that's that. And then all of a sudden it becomes like a bootstrap par- bootstrap paradox, right? Like what mm-hmm. created it? And yeah. I, I've i never seen that in other fandoms. And I wondered if it was because it started so early. I mean, I remember going to my cousin's house who had Prodigy because I heard that there were message boards <laughs> put a leaf on it. But it was his login. And so I couldn't like I I couldn't really post anything, but I could kind of read it and I saw it for like a second and then we had to go eat, you know. But it was the first thing yeah. I asked was, I hear you have prodigy. I would like to go on the message boards. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it was just it's um but so anyway, it's interesting that you mentioned that about Star Trek because I had that makes so much sense. Cause I'm not really a Trekkie. I watch Next Generation, obviously, because we're all the same generation and everyone mm. who is into that stuff watched next generation. Um, but I would not consider myself a Trekkie. Um, mm. 
I was thinking recently, like, oh, I wonder if Quantum Leap is the first to do that. And it sounds, so that makes sense with Star Trek. But I think it's fascinating to see how it was, because it's pre-internet, where that line sort of blurs. And I think it's kind of lovely. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're all part of the creation of it now, in a way. Whether it's on screen or not. But like, yeah, it totally makes sense to me that Alan Sam met in 1984. I love that. I'm keeping that. Right. That works for me. I'm thinking because yeah. like I had that year locked in my head too, and I don't know why either. That's so funny. But I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't yeah. figure it out because it, I think, as you saw me on Twitter, is I I love to put things together, and I think it's either my writer brain or my actor brain, or I just I like things to make sense. I love putting glue. Um, uh, one of my favorite things is to write actual specs, even though no one takes specs anymore. But when I did, it was so much fun to take someone else's world and like make everything make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what I'm I'm, uh, what am I getting at? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> it's been a long day. Oh, I'm so embarrassing myself. Oh, um, no. You're... <laughs> um, well, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, as a way, so as a way of diving back into the conversation, like uh, before we hit record, I said, I just have a bunch of note cards surrounding me right now. It's like some questions. 90% of them have Janice on them, uh, Beth on a couple other right here. But to kind of get us back into the to the Calavici conversation. I'm going to revisit a question yes, uh, that Sam and I, uh, and uh, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, Lost in the Pond. That's his YouTube channel. Oh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence Brown. Lawrence, yes. Lawrence, mm-hmm. Lawrence yeah. Brown. Yes. Uh, sorry, Lawrence. So the, the question that we asked, and we deliberated a lot in MIA, was Beth really better off with Al? in the new history. Oh, this is going to be a great conversation for me. <laughs> um, uh, it, oh, go ahead. I, you know, I, 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 no, I don't want to, never mind. Go, go, okay. go. <laughs> I, I think there is an argument to be made for the more satisfying life that is more, that happens to be more challenging because her life 100% would have been more challenging with Al. But is, is it, what outweighs it, right? Would you, would you rather pick a happier life that challenges you more or a boring life that doesn't challenge you. And obviously we don't know what her life would be with Dirk, but he does come across as a pretty boring guy. Yeah. Uh, someone who is not as exciting say as Al. And I, I don't mean that in, you know, the sense of like a partier. I mean, just like he has a, a large personality. He has, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of baggage that he brings with him. Um, yes, it's a happy ending, but there's no way that the Al that comes back as a POW does not have PTSD, does not mm-hmm. have trauma that he's dealing with. Now he has someone to deal, deal with it, right? And she obviously has experience as a nurse, but I would say that it is a more satisfying yet challenging life. And I would love for the show, although I don't think it'll go there, and I understand that because it's not about the past, it's about the future, <clears throat> and it isn't about Beth. It isn't even about Janice, right? You know? These are second string, third string characters, but it would be an interesting idea to explore in general, however it is explored, is that sort of choice, right? Like we would hope that Beth would have a better life with Al and that she would grow and, well, she does grow, I would say. The first time that we see her, we know that she's grown in one specific way. She knows how to fix a car. Yeah. <laughs> and it is my favorite moment that I've ever seen where you see a huge character development in just one moment without any words. I was very, very happy right. about that. And obviously that's a small thing that only like true fans would get. 
But here is a woman who couldn't even change a tire in 1969. And now she is a 79, 80-year-old woman, even though it doesn't look like it, but I'm fine with that. Mm. I love Susan. <laughs> great skincare. Beth has great skincare, right. and we're fine exactly. with that. Um, I would say that she has become an independent woman, but also she was alone for six years and even alone before that. She had to become mm -hmm. an independent woman. So perhaps I would say that being without was harder, but more rewarding. That's my thesis. Mm. I, I completely agree with that. No, I completely agree with that. And I think that the other thing is too, is I think that the relationship with Al would have afforded her a lot more freedom too. Yes. Freedom to grow mm -hmm. on her own, freedom to still be her own person. I feel like the relationship with Dirk would have just been kind of cookie cutter, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's, well, that's, that's exactly yeah. what some people want, but I, I, I feel like it would have been very much like her life before Dirk would have been her life before Dirk and everything after would have been her life with Dirk. Whereas I feel like the, you know, that, that Beth and Al are Beth and Al, you know, yes, there's a unit there clearly, but I think that they're, that they're, they would both have had had the opportunity to grow as individuals. And, 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 and I think that, you know, the work that they would have been able to do together in the relationship for one another like you say, it probably would have been challenging and probably would have been incredibly challenging at times, but would have been far more rewarding than, you know, sitting around and bringing Dirk his cup of coffee and newspaper in the morning, Yeah, which, I, then, which I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Beth would necessarily do that, but I feel like that's the picture of the relationship in my mind. It would have been more akin to that than it would have same. been, you know, to, uh, um, to what the relationship would probably have looked like without. Because that's what a lot of women in that time were thought to do, right? Right. She obviously quit the, ar the army, oh my goodness, quit the Navy. <laughs> because yeah. she doesn't know that Al's alive. She doesn't know about the photo. Uh, she disappeared. Uh, I like to think he took her inland. <laughs> which was a right, mistake. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, took her, yeah. Took her away from the sea. Yep. Um, mm. as a beautiful sort of metaphor, but, um, most likely a woman of her generation and her age married to a lawyer who is so boring like that, that I agree. I think that there is very easy to think that they moved like in the middle of the country somewhere. He got a job at some firm and she was a housewife and maybe, you yeah. know, maybe she still was a nurse. Maybe not. It, it, it doesn't seem like she had. I mean, this is all, you know, us making up, but uh, I think you brought up in your episode was like, it would have been a lot more interesting if they had cast someone or created the character of Dirk, who was kind of a good, interesting guy. Yeah. Right. You know, and, yeah. and, and you understand why they do that, right? Because you want, you want the audience to be rooting for Al or rooting for right. Beth before, you know, you know, th there is sort of a way, you know, no one can watch MIA now knowing the show and, and watch it the same way that people watched it live. Absolutely. Um, I, I had a friend who was got to that episode and they didn't seem to be spoiled. They didn't remember a lot. And so I asked to watch it with them and nope, they remembered Al's last name and it was, that was it. Mm. And it's fine. It's still yeah, watchable yeah. that way. Um, but the impression is, is that, yeah, he probably, they probably fit into sort of the stereotypical roles of, uh, of a woman of that generation. Yeah. The thing I think is interesting is we don't get a good enough read on Dirk in that episode to make all these assumptions. It's just the fact he's a lawyer. 
like and that. that is and that is such a great <laughs> shorthand. We have made all of these assumptions about Dirk. But a lawyer who would listen, you know, 1969. <laughs> dressed like that. Dressed like that. We're going into the <laughs> 70s and then we're going to go into the 80s. And I also think it, the, the thing that always bugged me is that he never heard from her again. And so you can only guess that that's because of right. him. Right. Oh, that's now, a great point. Like, because there are two ways for her to find out. There's the photo, right? Which, and listen, I'm sure that not everyone is up on all the, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning photographs, right? You mm-hmm. know, uh, I would think it would be a big deal. I know that Time Magazine in 1970 did have a big spread on POWs and it became sort of more known. Um, but who knows, right? She's not connected to anyone in the Navy anymore. Does she still talk to friends? I don't even, they make it seem like she has no friends. She's so yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. Like I can only estimate that she also is an orphan like Al. Like she doesn't seem to have a sister or a brother or a mother to call. Like no one when she's upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know it's still in the late 60s, early 70s, people were writing letters, but the phone is not that expensive anymore. So the impression that she literally has no one but not even anyone at the hospital who tell, I don't know, I'm digressing, but um, it's the way, yeah, it it gives off the impression that he really wouldn't do anything for her. She was very vulnerable. She'd been lonely for a long time. That's something I think is really good about MIA that I noticed on my rewatch is they make a really good point to talk about that they've been married for about like what, eight years. They only lived together for two years years, and she's been lonely through their entire marriage. Mm, Yeah. He, he probably either took it for granted or thought they'd always have time, which is more, you know, I think towards the themes of the show, right? If he's like, oh, we'll, always, we'll have time, you know, let me just do this. I'll be back. I'll be back, you know, um, which would make sense why when he came back, they started having lots of kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Four kids in yes. probably like 10 years, you have to mm-hmm. guess, right? For sure. Right. That's the quantum you know leap way right there. And I think that... <laughs> I think that the other thing too, um, that to, that to me, uh, a lot of times, and I get it because we think of time travel in very different ways now than we might have 30 years ago. Certainly, you know, at the time the show was conceived, which would have been in the early eighties, if Don Belisario is to be believed, which I have no reason to doubt him. Um, and, and, and going back even further to like time tunnel and, you know, all the way back to HG Wells and time machine. Mm-hmm. Like you, you think about the ways that we viewed time travel, you know, through the years. And now we're so concerned with, you know, butterfly effects and and paradoxes, et cetera, and all of these sorts of things. And I think that sometimes we make things a little too complicated for ourselves because the other thing that's fascinating to me about the nature of their relationship and their marriage and the challenges that they may have faced is I don't believe that just because Al married or was stayed married to Beth, that he didn't still meet Sam as a drunk. Absolutely. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. I've heard people say, oh, there's no way that they could meet. Or some people after the finale made assumptions to the point of which the, like a Mandela effect thought it was right. on screen that they had never mm-hmm. met. Yeah. And, yes. and I yes. think that there are certain fixed points, right. You know, because it, certain mm-hmm. things need to happen for, for um, the show to be, I mean, unfortunately we do know that the for project the plot. does happen. Yeah. Uh, no. plot, but we know the project happens without <laughs> L, but they are sort of, right. the of it and they never meet. Um, you know, that that's why 
I brought up the, the fact that I'm sure that Beth had to deal with, you know, his PTSD. And just because you have a happy life and you have wonderful children, it doesn't mean that stress uh, can be a factor. It doesn't mean that addiction can't be a factor. It Absolutely. doesn't mean that you are hiding yeah. your pain in a way from your loved ones in a way that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do. Maybe you're not the same kind of drunk. Maybe you're a functioning right. alcoholic. I mean, right. I don't know if, if any uh, of you seen the last movie stars, the, the Joan Woodward, Paul Newman documentary. No, mm-hmm. no, I, I haven't yet. Oh, I it's haven't. Really I, it's great. on my list. But yeah. I mean, they're about 10 years older than, you know, Beth and Al, but it's the same genre, yeah. same time, you know, and I was surprised to find out that Paul Newman was a functioning alcoholic. They had mm-hmm. a lot of problems. And that is a beautiful yeah. love story about two artists who loved each other passionately but life was hard and life got right. in the way and he had a lot of trauma and he was literally a functioning alcoholic. So I guess what I'm getting at is that I absolutely 100% believe, 100% believe that Al still ended up at that vending machine to meet, uh-huh. meet Sam. Now right. there, there can be differences, right? Like we obviously know in season one that Al is still drinking. Although I think that that is just, you know, again, writing in a tunnel, you don't know where you're going. Right. So that's, that's a bit right, of a, right. a bit of a flub, but if you make it make sense, you could say that um, Al went back to drinking when, when Sam got lost. Absolutely. Well, right? because you mentioned, you, you mentioned trauma, not to interrupt you, but, but this yeah. is uh, something I thought of. You, you, you mentioned trauma and we've talked about this a little bit before. I mean, Al's entire life is filled with these traumatic moments, his early life, his childhood in particular. And this is somebody that clearly has abandonment issues, you Huge. know, that, that clearly is afraid that people are going to leave him. And what happens? His best friend leaves him. So yeah, he's probably going to fall off the wagon, you yeah. know? And, and I, and I think that the, the idea that um, just because we're not necessarily shown something specifically uh, on television, just because, uh, you know, phrase I, like to use sometimes to my detriment, I'm sure just because we're not spoon fed those details doesn't mean that they don't exist. And it, and, and part of the, again, part of, I think our job as viewers sometimes is to be able to fill in those blanks. Um, and, and, and to me, it just makes complete sense that, yeah, I mean, Al, just because he stays with Beth does not mean that he would not still face a challenging life in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and, and especially after Sam leaps and especially after they lose him, you know, like that existence is, is one that is certainly filled with a lot of joy. Right. And yes, Sam is able to kind of correct that one thing that Al wishes had never happened to him. Right. You know, she's the only woman I ever really loved. Like, of course, that is, 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 I mean, it's so fulfilling, right? It's, it's, it's a wish fulfillment in a way, the idea that he gets the second chance, but uh, you know, to your point, yeah, it doesn't erase the the potential for uh, relapses. It doesn't erase the potential for there to be those struggles and challenges with the the trauma that he's faced. And obviously, you know, spending five years in, in a prisoner of war camp and coming back home and to find this woman there waiting for you, as amazing as that is, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. There's yeah. still a lot of work to do. And she, I'm sure, changed too right these are two different people she's uh i you know you go down these sort of rabbit holes and there was this really great information that i found about the wives of pow's who really you know became a force together and um really petitioned the government and the government was like you need to pretend that this isn't happening and you need to be quiet and they said hell no we want our husbands back 
Right. And I could see Beth doing that. And I know that there's whole sort of, you know, the flub, I call it a flub in uh, the leap home when uh, Al says that he's mm. been, you know, for five years. And people go, oh, that means that he was a POW for much longer. And I think the we talked about offline the book. Uh, Pulitzer. Pulitzer, yeah. I think, kind of uses that uh, as a way to ex- explain a reason behind that by him being mm-hmm. like a John Doe. But one could say that now that someone is fighting for Al, that he then comes home in five years. Because most people came home in 1973 with Project, project with the uh, coming home. What was it called? Mm-hmm. Pro- I want to call it Project because of Project Quantum Leap. But um, <laughs> uh, it was something coming home because it's been a long day for me. But it was called Coming Home, which is very cool. But also, yeah. oh, now I remember what I was getting at. Ha ha ha! Before, Let, I'm going to digress for one second before I forget this. Sure. What I was getting at before, Please. as uh, where the I feel like the old series, sort of the framework of it, even though there, there's so much more sort of metaphorically and thematically going on as a framework, is uh, I think a bit of a meditation on being MIA in wartime. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could even say that. I think maybe the new series might be paralleling Sam with Al. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that Donna remarried, but we will see. I know that sure. Don yeah, has yeah. said that he feels that she waited forever. I really hope she didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very long time to be alone, but, you know, it is a bit of a superhero, tragic hero story, Don Quixote. I get that. Right. Um, I think the new series seems to be implying that it's about the people left behind, right? Because the opening is the people on the places that he calls home. Yeah. Which obviously within the old series, the people in the places are also a metaphor for home or represent home means a lot of different things in the old series. Right. But mm. um, I think there is something to be said of the people who are left on the home front and the consequences and the things they have to deal with. Um, so that just reminded me of that. So I, I think that we would hope that they, they've both grown and they can be there for each other. Um, I, I could see Beth doing that. And then we're able to go back to the five years, which makes more sense. Mm. Um, but that's just my sort of, you know, kind of head, ca- sort of head, you know, head canon. Um, I think also um, having three kids under maybe eight at the time, of, which we guess if they met in 1984, like give or take how many kids he came mm-hmm. back at 73, unless of course, you know, they started while he was in the hospital, which I wouldn't put <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense to Al to me. That's also very stressful. Running a project is very stressful. We, it's also implied that uh, Al's a bit of a loose cannon. I'm sure he's very passionate. The higher-ups don't like him very much. Um, mm-hmm, they want mm-hmm. an excuse to get rid of him. Um, marriage is hard. Kids are hard. You don't know what's happening yeah. at home. It doesn't mean they don't love each other any less. Which also... Yeah. You know, you see how much Al really is devoted to Sam because he feels that Sam saved his life. Right. 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 Little does he know, right, that he he may feel that he gave him back his life and his family at that time. And we know, of course, he did that twice. Hmm. There's many ways to sort of headcanon it, but the, the, the idea that their life was easy, I think and it was a, you know, a happy ending is there's no way that that's absolutely possible. It doesn't mean that he was happier and had someone to lean on. Cause sometimes in the hard times, all you really want is someone to be there for you. Mm. And Al obviously has survivor's guilt. He has abandonment issues. Everybody leaves him. His wife left him the same way his mother did Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. man. 
I mean, one could assume that in 2000, if Al was alone, even if he had Tina, that he might have, like, killed himself in a bottle. I hate to say that, right? You know, but one might think that Sam is giving him Beth because he doesn't want him to be left again. He needs to have someone who didn't leave him to be there for him. Uh, Yeah. I also would say that they alone. Yeah, I have to leave. I'm I'm going to give you back Beth. I mean, I'm obviously he has to be reminded about this, but one mm-hmm. could feel like it's kind of this beautiful goodbye present. Right. Because yeah, if I, one that, more person leaves this man, I don't know what's going to happen to him. But right. I also feel like that that falls into the new series because it seems very obvious to me what they're saying is that Al had things to do. Because I know there's a lot of debate about the deleted scene and whether, you know, do we think that Al actually went to the accelerator, maybe got kicked out, you know, whatever part of that shooting script they decide to use in some way. Um, Or whether he just, you know, didn't do that at all, which is what we have to assume now, right? Because it's not canon. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that Al had work to do in the present and that they had to sort of go off on their own, on their own paths and help and use their gifts to help other people. Sure. Mm-hmm. Cause if Al hadn't been around, whether because he jumped in the accelerator or because he was drunk in his own depression for losing Sam, who was going to take all the tech? Who was going to be Sam's advocate in the present? I mean, there's no way that Al wasn't petitioning the government and being a thorn in their side. They probably hated him every year to be like, can we bring it back again? Can we bring it back? You know, don't forget this man, you know, he's, he's out there. I'm just, just in a sense, because when he was that MIA person, he didn't want anyone to give up on him. Sure. Again, survivor's guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What, what magic says, um, you know, we never leave a man behind. I think that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, Anyway, I feel like I'm blabbering a lot and you should interject, but, um, no, I would say, oh, and Jack, I would say a way way to transition into this is this is what Janice was around. Yes. I was, that's the last thing that I forgot to mention was, and I think he Mm -hmm. had to be a mentor to Janice. Yeah. I think, I think that they, they all had their, their place, but it was no longer together, which is very sad, but also the show is a lot about duty and a lot about selflessness and putting other people's needs over your own and your place in the world, I think. You know, one of the things that, uh, a couple of things that that this made me think of is the, the, the deleted scene. I think whether or not the specifics of the scene hold true, and are a part of canon. I think that the overall feel, especially with the dialogue between the two characters and the way that they relate to one another, yes. that's the that's the intent, right? That's the intent of, of the production team at the time. And I don't think that we've been given any information that would betray that. And to me, the thing that that relationship illustrates, those moments illustrate about the relationship is the fact that it's exactly what you said. Sam left Al with someone that would be able to give him basically everything that Sam was able to give him, which I think speaks a lot about just the nature of relationships and friendships in general, and also the the, the nature of a healthy relationship of a you know of a healthy marriage of the idea that you really do have to be friends because there's going to be times when there's no romance, there's going to be times when there's no physical intimacy, there's going to be times when the, you know what I mean, like and and what you have to to, to fall back on the bedrock of that is is that friendship and the way that you support one another and the way that you're there for 
for one another. And I think that that scene to me illustrates the fact that they, that Beth is absolutely there for Al. Beth is able to, to push him in the right direction. Beth is able to give him the support that, that he needs in that moment while he's asking all these questions. And yeah, she's a sounding board. He trusts yeah. her. And I, and right. I, and, and I think even beyond being a sounding board, like it's it, he he knows that he's going to that that there's a give and take that 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 it's not just that he's he's not just sitting there talking and yeah. and 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 it could be anyone in the room, you know, but that Beth is going to be able to very specifically, very intuitively, you know, provide him with some sort of inspiration with some sort yeah. of nudge in the right direction. he's he's talking to her in that scene. Uh, and maybe sounding board is the wrong word. It, it's it, it's a partnership for sure. Yes, thank you. you. There it you, is. Yes, you see that you see that he trusts her. Yes. Now they're living. We know that they're living on the the project, whether she works for the project or not. I, I would assume that she would kind of have to. I mean, if they're all there, where else are you going to go to almost, work, right? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but, but no, I I almost I I almost wonder, and I would almost like it better if she didn't work for the project, but she was still there. The idea being is like, of course, she's going to live there. She's not going to live in San Diego or Los Angeles or wherever else they might have a house or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's going to be right by his side. And not because, like, you know, that's the dutiful wife thing to do, but because she knows what it's like to be without him. You know, she knows what it's like to lose him to his job, basically. And she knows that part of his new job is that, yeah, he's there are going to be times when he probably has to get up at two o'clock in the morning and head into the imaging chamber or whatever. And and, and she wants to be able to be there when he gets back. So that that his hours must be ridiculous. Right. Right. And so he has the opportunity to have, you know, to, to have that stability, to have that touchstone, because in Sam's absence, that's gone, right? Yeah. I also think going to Janice and 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 I want to you know bring the conversation back there, but I, I also think that one of the reasons why Al probably had such a close relationship with Janice is because I think we can pretty safely assume she's the youngest daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think he probably had a very close or maybe even a very good relationship with the other three daughters because during the time of their adolescence he was probably struggling with so much. That's a good In point. Fact, I would go so far to say that that first, that the first daughter might have been a situation of this is what we need in our lives. This will, this will help to give us some sort of sense of completion. And then of course, for Al, he realizes all the trauma is still there. All the things, you know, that I've dealt with are still there. All my fears, everything is still there. And what does he do? He pours himself into his work. You know, he's doing the Starbright project. He's doing project quantum leap. He's doing all of these things right up until 1999, 2000 or whatever. And now all of a sudden he sees, you know, Oh, there's this, I mean, this is just a huge guess at her age. Here's this 10, 11 year old girl still at home while the others are off at college or whatever. And now I have the opportunity to, to sit down and be a father and to fill my life with this. And what am I going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing with the last 20 years of my life. And, and, and here are these stories about, you know, uncle Sam and here's all this, you know, and, and I think that that could provide the very real impetus for Janice to not only be so involved, but to also be so knowledgeable about all of these things because she got it directly from the source. Yeah. And magic says in the pilot, you know, of, of all the people who would know about this project, it would be Janice. And so the assumption is it's from, from Al. And I, and I, I do agree with you there. And so I do hope that they go with the actress's age. Um, I know that the breakdown said that she was in her forties and it's not a huge mm-hmm. difference, obviously between 36 and 40, but it is school right. age, right? You know, that, that four year, five year difference, depending on how well they decide to make her, 
could mean her not being on the project. And it makes a lot more sense if she grew up there. Yeah. I also feel like she kind of acts like a younger sibling, someone who uh, everybody may have uh, seen as the young kid, you know, maybe not treated her with as much respect, even though she's probably the smartest of them. Also having a brain like Al, right, that they might bond over that. Um, uh, Everybody there seemed more like a family they there were so many couples right like maybe gushing and tina had kids we don't know right. um, that's my head cannon <laughs> like like to think that she got him some mouthwash and they had some lovely children together um <laughs> but um th- there's more likelihood that she probably was roaming around in places that she wasn't supposed to do which um, supposed to be which would key into um, if Beth didn't work there for, you know, knowing things too. And I think that also is pro- proven a little bit in the scene with magic because one, she knows what magic is doing. Um, the people at the party in the pilot, right? They're not supposed to tell people what they're doing. So it's very top secret. No one's supposed to know. Beth knows. Beth knows what's he's, what he's doing and she's used to being told. She goes, you can tell me. That's what she's used to. And and it, I think it's very interesting in that scene that he just stops talking and says goodbye because mm-hmm. yeah. he knows that he can't. Now, if that means that it's because Magic has been talking with Al, perhaps privately throughout this, the beginning of the project, sure. I'd like to think that was it. And Al told her or they were both working on the project and Magic was talking to both of them. It probably makes more sense that he was talking to Al and she just knew because he would show up and he would be there. I mean, Janice says... You know, you shouldn't have done that to Beth. She always liked you. Yeah. Like, they know each other. I think, too, you know, I I think, too, one of the things that I've thought for a while, and and who knows if this will prove to be remotely true, is that there came a point where Magic had to kind of, you know, shut Al down, you know, close Al off from the project. And I think that Beth probably appreciated it and understood it, which is why she always liked him. But Mm. I think that Al, you know, for Al, it was extremely difficult. And that's the reason why Janice has, you know, I I think the whole notion that Janice is simply pissed because they didn't let her in on the project. There's, there's more to it than that. Like, I don't think, because she doesn't come off as like somebody who's just like, kind of like spoiled and edgy in such a way that it's kind of like, oh, you didn't give me my job and I'm better than you are. You know, that, that to me is so shallow. And I don't think that that's true. I think that there's far more to Janice's insistence on being involved um, than just simply, you know, she was a good candidate and they said no. Um, And I also think there's far more to the reason why they told her no than just being because, you know, oh, you're too close to things, you're Al's daughter. I think that it just became a case of like, you know, magic had to be to freeze people out because there was so much going on. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to know one of the last things that we got left with is that Ben was brought into the project later than others. You know that the Addison was already involved, um, and and I think we can probably assume that like uh, that maybe Ian was already involved. Um, you're looking at me quizzically. Is I don't remember that. I, I, I yeah. don't remember where that yeah. was introduced. Yeah, yeah, I think when when, when show when, your work. It's when, yes, it's when it's when Addison it's it's when Addison it's when Addison is talking about how they met and started dating, and and that um, you know they'd known each other for a while, but she but she she says something to the effect of like. You know when you came when when you started working there, which implies oh, that she was working there good, before him. Good catch. Yeah. Mm. 
So, uh, and that they'd worked together a couple of years, but yeah, but I, but I'm pretty sure she starts it all when you started working or something along those lines. So I, so I also wonder too, how much, you know, bringing in someone like Ben, if that caused any friction, just based off of the fact that it maybe, you know, that it wasn't Janice, right. That Al had been, I use this word so hesitantly because it carries a much different weight these days, but Al had been grooming her to be you know, kind of Sam's replacement in a way. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that she would be leaping through time to find Sam, but that 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 she would be the genius behind it all. Uh, which sure. of course begs lots of questions about, you know, landmines like Sammy Joe and 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 a potential child of Donna and Sam and you know all the other stuff that yeah. people are guessing at. But but the thing is is like that stuff is fine and I think it's wonderful to 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 talk about. But the thing is is that's not what we have. What we have is Janice. You know, what we have is Al. What we have is Ben. What we have is Sam. What we have is Addison. What we have uh, these characters. So I much rather spend my time talking about them than wondering, you know, oh, when is Sammy Joe going to show up or Agreed, uh, you know, yeah. Sam and Donna had a sure. kid or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, anyway, I, I digress. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said, which we talked about a little bit uh, before we started recording about that um, time, God, fate, whatever really seems to want Al and Beth to get together. <laughs> Right. Give Sam three opportunities to do it. And then finally, finally, the last time he just goes, you need to do this. Right. I've been trying to tell you subtly and you're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> this man has been very nice to you. <laughs> yeah. You should, yeah. <laughs> you, help should help him him. you should help him out a little bit. And you're going to leave him alone. So, you know, I, well, I would even go one step further to say that, like, it, it's almost also the idea of, of Sam needing permission, because I think there's oh, no totally. doubt that Sam wants to do it. It's just that Sam thinks he can't do it. And he so has, he needs yeah. you like you're saying he needs those signs, right? He needs those signs. And yes, he's ignoring them. And so finally, it has to be like, dude, it's OK. Go do it. Yeah. You know, and what As I love about it, yeah. you know. and what I love about the bartender, Steve, is that it's like a therapist. He. He asks mm-hmm. the right questions to elicit Sam to come up with it on his own, but he really right. didn't come up on his own. He's planting and he's, you know, he's letting him talk mm-hmm. it out and really figure it out on his own because he does need to figure it out and not be told to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one could say that perhaps something that has been set in motion through Sam changing so much history might fall on Al and Beth's child to save with Ben, obviously, because if you take Janice out of this equation, perhaps they won't succeed. We don't know what uh-huh. this mystery is. We know, obviously, that it involves Addison in some way. Um, I've always sort of been fascinated by the idea of all of these people and all of these lives that Sam has created. Um, and also, you talked about on the show, right, too, this idea of what if you did find out? Like, I'm curious if Janice knows. I think right. by now she has to, whether she knew... Right. Uh, I think that's infinitely more interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, what What is your reaction, right? What is your reaction if you find out you didn't exist? Is it my life sucks and I've done nothing with my life and you become more depressed? Do you become more driven like Janice? Do you feel that you need to save the man who helped put you into existence? Um, I also would say with Al, I think that, uh, you know, he he would have been 87 when he passed away he probably knew at a certain point that he couldn't wait any longer to groom someone to just take over just being Sam's advocate, let alone just, you know, being mm-hmm. on a project. Right. Just sort of, you know, you need to be me now because we owe this man a great deal. You would not be here without this kid. Now, mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that 
Al's death seemed to propel Janice to cut Beth out, cut her friends out. Now, they don't mention family or sisters. And I don't know right. if that's because of the whole writing in a tunnel thing. Like, I completely respect that you may not want to mention any of these other children until you can create fully realized characters who are connected to the plot, because then you'll be stuck right. with them. Um, I was surprised that they didn't just say family or something like that. So it could be either or from a production standpoint. I understand. Create them when you have a story. It's fine. But right, one could right. say that if she only cut out Beth and focused on her work and ignored her friends, but not her sisters, maybe it's because her sisters are in the same boat because they all found out the same information at the same time. Sure. And there's also... you. Janice has resentment built up for Beth that we see yeah. in Atlantis because, and it kind of comes out like Beth didn't, not that she didn't love Janice, but she didn't think that she was, that she was the one that was smart enough to Which I to don't do think is, yeah, I don't think that's part of it. I think, I think that's how Janice sees it. See, I really, I love Janice because I will love any Calabici. I've been waiting for these women since I was 16. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, I wanted to be one of them. I want, I, I wrote a story when I didn't know what fan fiction was. Like I was all in, cause you know, when I was growing up, they didn't have women as the head of these kind of shows. Mm -hmm. I love Quantum Leap, but it's very male driven. There weren't Absolutely. any, you know, Ray or um, female led characters in what are known as sort of male driven genre. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that my favorite character had these daughters and I wanted to be an actress and the idea that like they could possibly be the head of another show that they would go like, that was so exciting to me. So I will love any of these girls. I do not care <laughs> what they do. That being said, she needs to respect her mother. And I, <laughs> I think that she, that she definitely has a chip on her shoulder and sure. she comes across as not just a younger, a younger daughter, a younger sibling, I should say. She also comes across as someone who doesn't see their parents as adults. So whether that means hero worshiping Al and not connecting with her mother because they're, mm. you know, different kinds of brain, right? She's more sort of, you know, uh, what, you know, more geared towards an intelligence that Al would have as opposed to Beth being, you know, a, a wonderful nurse. Maybe she became a doctor. She's very smart. But if you can't connect with someone who maybe can't help you with your homework and you feel that they're stopping you from something. But I also think that what she doesn't understand is the trauma that Beth has seen. And that's what a lot of children cannot see in their sure. parents. So you could say she found out that her mother left her father and doesn't know the details and is judging her. Absolutely. You also say that she also doesn't understand the trauma because she sees Project Quantum Leap from the eyes of a child. She grew up there. She sees it differently. And she doesn't, again, understand what happened. Because you have to imagine that Beth didn't just see Al destroyed by this. She saw people that she worked with of two, even three generations, unable to succeed. And it tear mm -hmm. them apart. Yeah. Why would you want that for your child? I'm, you know, I'm on Beth's side. Like, I, I understand why she did it. No, I, I, I hadn't thought about this before until you brought up the fact that Janice probably grew up at Project Quantum Leap. We know from the previews that we saw for the second half of the season, she is going to be brought back. She is going to be brought in to the new Project Quantum Leap. I know. Leap. I wouldn't they're, do they're that. Not, they're why not are you gonna, doing that? They're I mean, not I'm gonna, happy. Yeah, I know. I know. The, the writers aren't going to do it. I know they're not going to do it. Now I want to see flashback scenes of little Janice oh, running around the original. <laughs> I do. Running Wouldn't it be around great the 
like an opening to season two where it's just a flashback of them like grabbing all the tech well like before they're being invaded and like little giant you know although she wouldn't who knows that's something i also would like to discuss like how long do we think the project continued because i mean would, i think it had to it, it had to have continued for a while right like it couldn't have just shut down immediately yeah like at least but, a couple of years but the you know the opening with with uh with ziggy or deborah it suggests it was a long time mm-hmm. but on my it rewatch, was a long time you know when it was yeah. it was after 9 11 that's exactly when it was that's why would they I pull think. funding that's when they needed to pull funding you know that's what I mean? exactly like makes, what i think it makes perfect sense janice yeah. and and by the time i think that the iraq war took all the funding and if you think mm-hmm. about it, it would have been five years of working on it, five years of Sam leaping, and then five years of trying to find him. That's 15 years of money to have no working time travel experiment. And then the Iraq war starts. That's exactly yeah. what I think happened. And Janice would have been about 18. Bush. If she's, if we're going with the fact <laughs> that she's right. Just I know. Right. No, I know. I, I, well, and, and, and I, I think that one of the things that fascinates me about the idea of Janice, you know, knowing where she came from uh, and the possibility of her not existing is especially when you tell a youngster a secret, once they learn how to keep them, when they're really young, they don't know how to keep them. You tell them, Hey, I'm going to tell you something that's a secret. And then they tell everybody. But once, once, once a youngster learns how to keep a secret, oftentimes what happens is they think, now I know something no one else knows. Mm. And it's clear that Janice, being as hyper-intelligent as, as she is, she knows a lot that no one else knows. And I think it probably created a lot of discord with her sisters and her mother because they didn't understand her. I, you look at the relationship Sam had with his father, and I think it's probably very clear that Janice probably had that with, with her mom to some degree. You know, the idea that, like, she probably wanted her approval, she needed her approval, but they didn't really understand one another. They could understand one another on basic levels, but at the point that Sam leaves Indiana, like, he barely talked to his dad after that. You know, he didn't even make it back for the funeral. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Janice probably experienced something similar, whereas like she she wanted to be close to her mom. She wanted her mother's approval clearly from that that scene yeah. uh, and, 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 and didn't necessarily get that. And at some point she had to go off and do her own thing. And of course, once her dad dies, yeah, why would she continue to have contact with these people? Not because it's not something that she needs or something that she wants, but because for her, it's always been an obstacle. It's been something that's been difficult. And now here she is and she feels like maybe she has freedom, maybe in a way that, you know, it's that it's she has the opportunity to do those things and to put into motion all the stuff that her dad, unfortunately, couldn't. Um, but I think there's no there's no doubt in my mind that Al told that Al told her everything and it had to come from Al. I don't think it came from her discovering these things when she was researching the project or anything. I think she knew. I like to think so. My, also, yeah. But, I, but I do is, wonder if it was when he, on, when he died though, just because mm. the fact that she, and it could just be again, writing in a tunnel, right? Like it was meant to bring a mystery and to show that something had emotionally changed in her it may never be explained what exactly happened. And that's fine because all we need to know is that her, her something happened within her that changed um, when he passed away and whether it means that her, her drive was stronger maybe to, to succeed where he wasn't able to succeed because she obviously understands that kind of trauma and going back to um, what uh, I forget which one of you mentioned this um, about that, um, that the older sisters probably saw more of Al's trauma which I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Janice did. That would that would also mean that 
the bulk of the trauma that she saw would have been post 2000. So the only right. trauma that she would have to ever Sam. seen would be to Sam, sure. which would be jarring to her. Also, yeah. I think you could say that, you know, as we mentioned, Al probably had very weird hours and he wasn't there. And the only way to see his family would be to have them live on the project with him. Would also mean that she was left a lot of time with her mother, who may not have understood her and had the same brain as her, even just not even be able to help her with her homework. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Not to mention, you know, the at a certain point, you know, teenagers and their mothers, you know, it gets really difficult. Um, I'm sure there's a lot there. Um, I would love for uh, Beth to have some sort of important information that Janice is sort of shocked that she would have and have her understand that her mother is an important person, that her father relied on her, mm -hmm. that she's smart, that she knows a lot of information. And I think in turn, it would also give Beth some agency because she doesn't have yes, any sure. agency. Everything happens to her. And again, I understand this is not about Beth. And I, I'm not thinking I'm going to get this. Um, but if there's a way that that she can help the plot in some way that also in turn shows her daughter that she deserves respect, I would love to see that. Yeah. I think here's, one of my biggest... I, was gonna say, I think one of my biggest disappointments is that I, when I was watching Atlantis for the first time, I was really waiting to see that after Magic left and whatever, however they would, they would carry it out, is that Beth was going to contact Janice not as being estranged from each other, but that Beth had lied to magic when she said that they had lost contact with each other. I mean, that, that is also that, a possibility. That whatever, that whatever Janice was doing, that Beth was in on it too. I thought so That's too. what I was really hoping to see. And then that didn't turn out to be the case. Or, that all, that or the whole there. family. Okay. Mm -hmm. as, like, as, as, as a bit of a swerve, I just wanted to throw this out there. Yeah. I was going to say is that I don't think that this is the case and I might be in the minority but I actually wouldn't mind if the writers decided to create the story that Beth has no idea that Beth has no idea. Let's talk about that together because that is more that, interesting. That it Beth is more no interesting. Exactly. Beth has no idea that Sam got her and Al to stay together. That's what Beth I hope has happens. no idea that her kids were you know, never meant to be born. And that, you know, sure. Okay. Beth thinks this is the life that she was supposed to have, that she has no idea that Sam interfered. I, yeah, I think that's more interesting too. I think it's far more interesting if that's the case. And I think it gives her the opportunity to be, like you're saying, to have the chance to be more involved, to have more agency, because I want to see that scene where she finds out, you know, where yeah, Janice probably lays that? it all out for her, yeah. right? How do you deal with something that you didn't do, but you know that you did, and you don't know why you did it because you didn't experience that? And All your child you know, resents you for it. Yes, resents you for it. <laughs> and so you don't have any information on it. I mean, listen, you know, I think we should also talk about uh, a t a t memory timelines because that's something that's been established in the new show, too, and I think is interesting, right? How do you remember stuff? Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the show establishes that you have to write it down, it seems, just because people seem to forget after a certain time. I think Leap for Lisa shows that. Now, mm -hmm. um, I always thought that Al, like, wrote, you know, exit reports or something like that. And then I know later on, I found out that in there is a deleted uh, thing in the script from Leap for Lisa where Sam is writing down Al's mm -hmm. name over and over again to remember, which I was like, oh, that lines with my idea. Um, I it was hard for me to believe that the computer could remember timelines, but it's Ziggy, it's fine. If that's the reason, it's totally plausible. Um, so maybe there's something like that. But how do you deal with the idea that you left your husband when he was... You know, you didn't know, obviously, but you don't know any of the experience. And 
The only reason I think that they might not go there is that it, I think, I mean, they're very good writers and they can figure it out. But I think for the new audience, it might be a little hard to explain the finale and how people forget Sam because the casual viewer doesn't usually remember Mm -hmm. that small detail from the finale. And as far as they remember, Sam went and told Beth that Al was still alive. A Beth who's bawling her eyes out and has been drinking. Like she has no cause whatsoever to remember his face as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's the thing also, right? Like one could say that she she remembers somebody, but she doesn't remember his face exactly. But here's the thing. I hadn't really thought, to me, like I hadn't really thought about until more recently. And it was like for all of mirror image to like really wrap up and make sense. She has to forget him the way the bar forgot about Strapa. Yeah, or Angela in the one in a wonderful leap, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way. But that was always a little strange because, like, how do they remember? But maybe it's kind of like when they put Al in the accelerator and we're like, "Don't let Chip out of your sight." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like you just remember like a kernel of like, "I have hope again." I mm-hmm. also like to think that because it sounds like. Sam is about to tell her a story, right? I mean, I know it's also just sort of dramatic the way he says it. It could just be a beautiful metaphor that he's saying, you know, that he's not going to actually tell her a story. But I mm-hmm. like to think that he tells her in about a year, a photo is going to come out and that's going to prove to you that I'm correct, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's a feeling or, you know, just a kernel, I have to wait and a faded memory, I, you know, I there's so many ways that you can do it, but... The main, the main thing that I see that they're doing, which is very smart, is that you have to really write the show for new viewers. Because yeah. if you lose people, whether it's a casual viewer who doesn't remember everything uh, to just people who've never seen it, you know, the, you, the show needs to be written for new viewers. And then the people like us are kind of secondary. People are going to hate me for saying that, but it's the only no. way to really be able to do it because then if people are confused and they don't know what's going on, they're going to shut off. Whereas we know what's going on and we get the little kernels of information. It still has to be explained in the show. Just like you're never going to see a Star Wars movie that is going to reference something from a comic book or another piece of media because you can't have to have seen every piece of media out there to understand the show. You have to be present in the moment for the audience to get what's happening. For sure. I mean, I think everything that we're discussing here, most of it, like you said, we're never going to see on camera. Like this is going to yeah. be, if they ever get back to doing the tie-in novels or or fan fiction that's going to be written, this is where we're going to see all these nuggets. But yeah. man, Although, I, I, I really, yeah. I do hope that, I don't know if this will happen, but I do hope that they're setting up Ian, uh, it, like they're this um, like Stan of, of Al or, and Sam or something. Because so far, um they are the only person who has been referencing a lot of like old stuff. Like I noticed rewatching in the pilot or the second episode, they are the only one that recognizes Al's name, like right away. Wait, Calavici. And then also the mm-hmm. reference to, Oh, well, you know, Sam believed in that God was leaping him around. Mm-hmm. Right, I know right. that Ian now has access to records. So I think it would be interesting if Ian has been going through all the records and kind of knows everything about Alan Sam. And then, uh, through Ian in conversation with Janice or Beth or other characters could bring this information out when it's important to the plot. Yes, I think sure. that would be interesting. And also Ian just I, has so much empathy. Ugh. 
Right. I think there's mm-hmm. going to be opportunities once Janice comes to the project, there's going to be opportunities for conversations to take place that some of this will come out in, 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 you know, it might be a stray line here or there. It might be, you know, akin to the Sam believed God was leaping around. It could just be, you know, I, Beth saying it wasn't always roses with your dad or whatever, you know, there could be so many opportunities to have these lines that again, help to fill in those blanks without necessarily having to see a scene on screen um, and then leave it up for, you know, the eventual tie in media, if there is any, which these days, it seems like that's not something that necessarily happens for, you know, every, every genre show anymore. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I love this type of stuff and I think the conversations, um, you know, that, that we can have about this are endless, which is, which is why we should absolutely do this again, um, sooner rather than later. Um, but it, you know, in the interest of time and, and, and kind of pointing us towards, towards the end of the discussion for, yes. for today, I guess, you know, talking about Janice and talking about the nature of, of, of Al's upbringing and the nature of his relationship with Beth and uh, just the idea of, of trauma and, and memories, you know, something that, that you, you hit on here just recently. I, I'm curious to know for you, know, for both of you, because we are 20 years over 20 years past the time when anyone has ever had any sort of verifiable, you know, contact with Sam Beckett. You know, is there a point where the only way for him to, you know, kind of live on and for the search to him for for the search for him to live on has to involve people that either he's directly affected like magic or the people that are there because of what he did like Janice. The idea that there, you know, that there might not be many people walking around with these concrete memories of Sam Beckett because the last time, anytime anyone saw him, you know, was 25 years ago, uh, 27 years ago. And, 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 and I think that that is enough time for anyone that was close to him, for anyone that knew him when to just kind of written him off completely so that the only, the only ties that he has left behind are the people that he's affected, the people that he's changed, which is a really wonderful, I think, sentiment in general. But I'm the, the, the point I'm trying to make is if the point of the show in some way, whether or not it's the point of this season is to bring him back, you know, they have to have enough confidence in some way that they're going to tie this story up or, or, or touch on the story up because they've already had magic mention it multiple times Mm -hmm. you can't do that i mean it's chekhov's gun like you can't bring that into the conversation without having a plan to resolve it so knowing that so many people have probably written him off what do you think at this point could be the end game especially for a character like janice when it comes to sam well i think that her end game may not be the show's end game Right. Um, right. Right. I agree. I, I like to think that she had she and Ben have parallel objectives. Right. I don't think that map is to find Sam. I mean, we already know it's not. But I guess what I'm saying is that I I think that you can't discount the fact that she's still going to be looking for Sam and maybe why she had the kind of information that could lead to a map as to something. She obviously had something, whether it was just her knowledge or things that she was working on that Ben needed to do what he needed to do. I don't think it's just about 
I need someone who can go rogue with me, right? I feel it's, it's much more interesting and important and just based on how they're establishing who Janice is and how smart she is and um, the history that she comes from, it just seems to me that they're setting up that she um, had something he needed, whether that's true or not, right? So I think that that is her end goal. I don't know if that's what Sam wants. And that would be interesting. Absolutely. Because I feel like at this point, the best use of Sam is to give Al's story closure. Yeah. And whether that means that after he passed away, they've been leaping together, or it means that Sam has been visiting Al from every sort of moment in his life from birth to death, and he's always been there, which is sort of obviously a metaphor for when people pass, they're always with us. Mm -hmm. Sam taught Al how to box. <laughs> Sam taught Al everything <laughs> he needed to know to help him on his leaps. <laughs> Every time Al says, oh, I learned how to do this, it's because like, Sam was Sam the one that taught him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, you know, uh, can you imagine him holding like a baby Al? <laughs> I, uh, I I, oh, boy. No, <laughs> I, 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 no, I, yeah, I feel like w if when we find Sam, if they, if they bring Scott Bakula back, like he either, um, like he is leaping eternally like Strapa and he's like, Oh, you all were still looking for me. I, there is no need. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good here. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or he's, you know, settled back down in the bar in Cokesburg. And I know a lot of people like we, you know, that we, is we a really good theory. That, we, we love that idea. I know. I think Sam, you threw that out originally. I threw that, uh, yeah. A few years ago uh, in, 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 in mirror image, whatever. I mean, you either have to go one way like that or everything that said, like we found out, I, I would love to find out that like that, that Sam somehow was able to go back and visit like Al on his deathbed or close to the end of his life Same. or, you know, yeah. or, 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 or something like that. One end of the spectrum. Okay. On the other end of the spectrum, if they want to go completely the opposite way and get Scott Bakula really involved. And I did not think about this until I, I think Sam, you just threw out like, Sam Beckett disappeared 25 years ago. Like he was time man of the year. He was the next Einstein. Like basically he was, I can't say Elon Musk anymore because everything that's happened in the last, you know, whatever. But basically, you know, he was Elon sexy Musk. Einstein. He was sexy yeah. Einstein. Yeah. I, yeah. He, yeah. Basically he was young, sexy Einstein and he just disappeared. So either we do everything that we just said, or we go to the opposite end of the spectrum and all of a sudden Sam Beckett rematerializes naked in the middle of Times Square after 30 years. And there's a big media frenzy of, holy crap, where has Sam Beckett been for the last 30 years? Oh and he I just shows up in the middle of Times Square, a la the first scene of Blind Spot. Right, right. That's right. so or the funny. end of Captain America, the first Captain America movie. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You eat one of those two. I have to tell you my fanfic story when I was 16. It was not naked. That sounded bad. Yeah. Is that what I meant? <laughs> <laughs> I had that he materialized in New Mexico and the government was after him. That was mm, my thing. Mm, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I mean, listen, are there conspiracy theorists out there? I think you've mentioned this on the show, right? Who are probably right. right. And everyone thinks they're crazy. And they're like, Sam Beckett traveled in time. And they're Reddit posts right. about it and like groups and they you know, protest the government. Well, mm -hmm. That was one of the lovely things that I, or when the, when Dr. Who came back in 2005, one of the very first, I mean, the very first episode in Rose, 
she visits like a conspiracy theorist who has all of these pictures, right? And all of this stuff about like, you know, this legend, the, you know, the doctor, and here's a picture of the same guy, you know, on the Titanic. And here's a picture of him at, you know, JFK's assassination. And, 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 and in the same way, like, you know, I do feel like, yeah, there, there have to be people out there much like magic felt that nudge, whether they're people who Sam leapt into or whether or not they are people that have, you know, heard an inkling of something here or there from somewhere and started to piece these things together. I, I do hope that at some point there, there that is out there, right. Or that there is a journalist who, you know, has been writing this story and trying to track all this stuff down or, because I, I think that it's, it's fertile ground for them to explore. Yeah. And, and I, I would hate really for them to, yeah. to leave it on the table. It could be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the, the one would assume that because of the photo that Al is rather, maybe not as well known as Sam, but like people know who Al is. He's probably right. like maybe not exactly a John McCain because he didn't run for, you know, con- Congress, but like someone who people would name check and know, oh, that's the, yeah. that's that famous photo. Oh yeah. Like, so the two of them, uh, not to mention, you know, in the pilot when he picks up Tina, <laughs> Tina, <laughs> Tina number one, number two, just a woman named Tina. Um, uh, and she's like, oh, that's where they have all of the uh, nuclear test stuff. And oh, there's something weird going on there. You know, like um, someone, someone must have some theories out there. And I right? think that, that, that would really be fun. Oh, and even like even thinking like you know being raised on the X Files as well, like thinking about some of those episodes where you know uh, um, I think it's EBE when uh, Mulder meets up with uh, you know like Seth Green's character, and Seth Green has been like sneaking onto this you know air base, and there's a crazy light show, and basically you know the kids are in essence you know have gone beyond the conspiracy, and now it's just you know let's get high and watch you know these weird alien lights from the sky, but that's kind of Mulder's way in to find out that like oh my god they're keeping aliens here. And 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 in the same way, you have to almost think that at some point in time, right? Like you know, here's a Stranger Things reference for everybody. Some stoner in a pizza van saw this light show happening in the desert and was like, "I'm checking that shit out," you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and again, I just think that yeah, there, Deborah Pratt when she talked about the possibility of there being a franchise, my initial mm-hmm. reaction was to just kind of be like, I love you. I love you, Deborah, but pump the brakes. Like, I don't know if we need that. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we need that, but I think the thing that becomes more and more clear as we talk about the show in the now, as opposed to it being something that's been off the air for 30 years, it's clear that there is so much that they could explore with the the concept of the show and, and, and do it in such a way that all of it does kind of, you know, revolve and pivot almost around the, you know, the original series and around yeah. Sam Beckett and around Al mm-hmm. Calavici as these characters. And I think that that's really, that's really cool. And I, and, and, and I, again, I think that the revival series is exploring their own ground, doing their own thing. Uh, but, it, but they've mentioned Sam enough. They've, they magic has, you know, set out his mission is to bring him home that, yeah. Obviously, Ernie Hudson has put that it out has, that it's yeah, mission yeah, yeah. <laughs> to bring Scott Bakula <laughs> that, that, home. Right, right. I'm bringing Scott Bakula back to the show, damn it. Um, <laughs> and I believe in you, Ernie. Uh, that, yeah, I, 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 I think that um, we're going to get there. It's just a question of when and how. Uh, and I really hope that we get the opportunity to explore a lot more uh, of these areas and whether or not that's done through Quantum Leap on the air on NBC right now, or that's done through a Peacock exclusive show or movie or whatever. I, I, the opportunity I believe is going to exist. I personally am feeling really good about a season two. Same, so yeah, I think it's going to happen. I, 
right? I think I think I think we're 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 in a good situation as fans right now, and I'm in a good situation because I've gotten to spend the past couple hours with you guys, uh, uh, and 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 Lauren, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you were here. Thank oh, you. Oh, so thank much. you. I hope I was coherent. Um, I hope I'm fantastic. Uh, I guess all we did was talk about the Calavicis, but I guess that's all I do online. Um, but, uh, there's, uh, there's so much more that, uh, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to, um, find out if we're going to find out what the safety protocols were specifically. Mm-hmm. If, um, if the computer chooses is because of the code, because we know that's not true. Um, right. but I also just want to say that I, I really do love that the tech, and the theory has been updated because it's mm-hmm. it's based on science and it's been 27, 23 years. Like, of course, it's going to work, you know, change. We don't even know if during the time that Al was looking for Sam, if they made updates or changes or things like that. Right. Um, and I also think it's very smart because they're they're really sort of making their own mark on the series even just by yes. having a different dynamic between the leaper and um the the observer right mm-hmm. who also right. i don't know if if this is on purpose but ben and addison beth and al same initials i don't know right, if that's right, on purpose right. or not you know so like they're 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 taking they're making it new but also I was going to say mirroring. Oh my God. That's a terrible. Nah. Nah. Um, it works. It works. We, are, we, we are but two dads who love puns. So do not, do not apologize. <laughs> um, back to it because it has to be new. It has to be different. It's almost like, you know, a little bit what happened if Donna was the observer, right? You know, um, right. I would love to see Addison have a conversation with Donna about like, how do you do this? Right. You know, yeah, does Addison yeah, have yeah. to make the choice that Donna made if he forgets her to not remind, you know, there's so many different things that, that you can do to bring the past into the present and make it relevant to the storyline of the people that we're, we're seeing and we're meeting. Um, so I, I'm excited as well, um, to, to see the story ground they're trying to cover. And I like that it's new and different. It doesn't take anything away from the old show. It just makes it, it's, you know, I I mean, I, you know, I, like, I feel like I've said this before in a previous episode, like, I know so many people are like upset that the show is not the same format as the old show, but I would be bored with the show if it just came back and did the same thing that the old stuff did. So I like that they are updating everything and they, they are updating this for a new audience, but also giving enough nuggets. Yeah. To yeah. Us, the old fans. I, I firmly believe that there, that really there was only one of two ways that, and, and, and this is an asinine comment to make because there's multiple ways, of course, but for me personally, I believe there's one of two ways that the new show would work and that's the way that they're doing it. Or you go deep in the direction of the old show and instead it becomes three episodes is one leap. You know what I mean? You spend time with those people. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. really get entrenched. You never have to make a comment like we've made about, you know, episodes even recently, like when we talked to Matt Dale about a little miracle where it's like, you know, I almost feel like we could have used 15 more minutes, you know, like you really, you really got to live with these people and be with these people. And because I, I I just think that, yeah, to repeat the format of the, the original, yeah, it, it, I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I certainly don't think it would be as satisfying as as it was 30 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. they obviously know the show really well because the trope between, you know, I hate to use the word trope because I think it's really interesting what they're doing between Ben and Addison 
thematically fits into a lot of tragic moments that we have with uh, in the original series, right? With Ellen Beth not being able to touch. You know, it's it's really sort of fascinating to me how we're all so happy for this couple that we, on at least except for the deleted scene, have never actually seen acknowledge that they can interact with each other. Right. <laughs> you know, right, which, right. which is also why I think it's kind of interesting, and I would love for them to play up the fact that. Now we have Beth, who right now is the only original, well, I mean, technically Ernie Hudson, but you know what I mean, original actor from the series who has appeared, um, and now Al is the ghost Mm -hmm. in in this story. And and that's sort of an interesting thing to see. Like, I I just think that they're, what they're doing is they're taking sort of what is familiar about the show and what the sort of the show has been grounded in, in their story and making it different. And that's really the smartest thing to do because then we can, what am I trying to get at? I I just think it was a good writing choice. It's 10, 17 at night and I'm a little tired. (laughs) No, yeah, we should. You know, the thing is, I I think I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think that what I'm taking from what you're saying is, is that they gave them the, they gave themselves the opportunity to explore a lot of new ground while also remaining faithful to so many of the themes of the original series. That that you said. But also, I really think developing its own thing as well. I really, I really, yeah. and we'll see how much they sort of, you know, go into that. But I feel like we have to look at that saga cell, the people and the places that he calls home. Because the biggest yeah. difference, other than the dynamic between the Leaper and the Observer, is that we get to see the project. We get to see the people who were left behind. And the fact that Beth and Janice are in, you know second episode technically the first you know going forward i mean it's also very telling that the first person we see in the revival is janice we don't know who she is but watching it again to go Mm -hmm. the first person who speaks is the calavici right also is it just me or doesn't she sound like beth oh i I don't know it was because i knew it was i knew who she was playing when i originally watched it but i remember originally watching it and going she sounds like beth and i don't know if i was just uh, listening to it but i think that they the casting for Janice is really fantastic. She looks yes. like she'd totally be their child. And mm-hmm. I applaud that because it can I, be hard. I think that, yeah. I think it's another sign though, that everyone that's involved with this show certainly has uh, a love and respect uh, for the original series because they are, yeah. it does seem like they're trying to get that stuff right. While also, like you say, doing their own thing. One of the themes that I think that they brought in that the old series lacked uh, is this idea of setting up sort of like, that that metaphysical realm versus the technological realm. And I think they've done a really wonderful job at planting some great seeds. And I look forward to seeing how they pay that off because there's there's certainly, even right down to Ian's line, you know, Sam believed God was leaping him around. Yeah. I think that, you know, that line that, that they have is, is it, it, again, it just shows that, that's not what they believe, you know, that's not what they think. And so I think that it's, it, it, it sets up some really interesting dynamics to continue to explore that. Um, well, that's something I also, oh, sorry. Um, just no, no, that's ahead. something that I go also ahead. really do like about the show is that, um, I don't consider myself a religious person. I do really love what the show is saying. Of course, it's not saying it could be God. It could be fate. I mean, I think, I think the bartender at the end pretty much confirms he's God, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the show is saying is that science tapped into something supernatural, mm-hmm, right? Uh-huh. And that's interesting. Right. Absolutely. Because science is the world and we know science is real. So if, if this entity or supernatural, uh, whether it's the devil or, uh, someone up above or someone whose fate, who's controlling things, 
it's interesting to see that that's what, what I still believe it, right? Whether the, the new show never talks about it being connected to a supernatural entity, Sam got there through science. And one can assume that when Sam leaps as himself, perhaps he was tapping into something that Ben is now doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to mm-hmm. think that, uh, and I feel like the new series confirms that, that Sam can leap as himself or he can leap as other people. Yes. And if he does leap mm-hmm. as other people because there's no waiting room, the assumption would be that he leaps like Ben. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, you, you touched on something with science and, and you know, science tapping into something spiritual and the effects that it have. I think that that's one of the reasons why OE of Little Faith will become an incredibly important episode as we go on. And the way that, like, science played such a huge part in mm-hmm. these people's you know, belief systems, basically, um, right down, not only science in, in the terms of Janice, you know, coming in and being the demon or whatever, but literally science in terms of the poison that was used to manifest these symptoms that they all attributed to something spiritual. So I, 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 I think that that's something that'll be really interesting going forward. Um, I, I, yeah. we'll see, we'll see what happens. And listen, the original series didn't start out saying it was God. That really isn't something right. that's until the you know beginning of season two. Right. So, it's okay if it's if it's a gradual thing. I also understand if they don't want to go into it, you know. I sure. Com- right. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. we can assume that the evil leapers don't exist anymore, or is that just something that's gonna come up later? I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I mean, right right now we 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 have Janice <laughs> and we have uh Leaper X. Let's Yeah. I don't know. Uh but, now I could believe that um Al, because I've always been fascinated with this, would think that an evil leaper would be would come after his children and perhaps mm. in this new timeline mm. becoming more obsessed with figuring it out and i was pleasantly surprised to find out that uh the whole internet agrees with something i thought when i was 16 was that that 1945 hand link probably started the evil leaper project in the future yay collective yeah. brain <laughs> um one could say i thought of this yesterday while i was prepping ideas to talk so i'll end with this one could say that because Al became obsessed with trying to find that because he was worried for his children's safety, that he eliminated them and destroyed the hand link before it got into the wrong mm, hands. Mm. So they don't exist. Interesting. Uh, and then, of course, Janice I, steals a hand link, and perhaps that hand link gets left. And so it's maybe. just one of those inevitabil- you know, inevitabilities of, of time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, if, if the devil runs the evil leapers, the, the devil could also delete it from a computer system. Right, right. Just saying. <laughs> it's plausible. It's not there. It's not there. Yeah. And yeah. to me, like, I didn't have a chance to, like, to chime in earlier. We were talking about, like, Janice's motives, like, versus Oh, Ben's. yeah. But I yeah. think it, it is very possible Janice could know of, of, like, where, like, Ben knows he needs to save Addison in some way, whatever that means. Maybe the parallel mission is that Janice knows she needs to save some other point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By some means, whether that's in the future, whether it's in the past, whether she wants to go back and heal something for her dad in the past. Yeah. I don't know. I hope. I hope they find a way to keep Janice running throughout the series that she's not just like a one and done character in the first season. I really hope so. Mm. I really hope that she that they find reasons to have her return. I mean, we still haven't discussed uh something i think that we all agree on is that janice might have ziggy's ego mm. Mm. Yeah. so or know where it is 
Yeah. So when does or that? Or how to unlock it anyway. Yeah, how, exactly. Yeah. How to unlock it. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I also can't imagine that that's something that can happen until the mystery is solved because Ziggy is literally a des machina. If you turn her on, she's going to be able to say, oh, well, Ben was here doing this. Right, yeah. right. And Janice was doing that. Solved. And so yeah. I feel like that's probably the reason why there is no Ziggy. Or they just felt it was too futuristic and didn't fit into our modern times. But uh, considering that Ziggy starts the show, right. that makes me think that, that someone's hiding her. Because yeah. Sam says... The ego is what makes her not another number cruncher. Right. And at so, this point, all, all she is, right, is a number cruncher. She's a number and cruncher. And gives the information to Addison or, or Addison sees it on the hand link. And that's yeah. that. The only yeah. thing that surprised me about uh, when we saw the project was how big Ziggy was. I had always assumed, and this is maybe, you know, young tween, teenage Lauren thinking, you know, and me remembering is that someone had just taken Ziggy and it was in like Donna's basement or Sammy Joe's basement. And then when the pilot started, I went, oh, of course she's that big. No one's doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What yeah. was I thinking? Of course she's that big. So if you can't take the mechanism, you would take the ego because having that fall in government hands could be really bad. I would think. Right. Because what were they yeah. going to do? What were they going to do with her with no Project Quantum Leap? They probably would have used her for nefarious purposes. For sure, yeah. I think the U.S. government. Yeah, like I said, I, I am really hopeful that they bring the ego back somewhere yeah. in the end of the first season. Like I said, I, I don't think they can keep it as a regular part of yeah. the series because I, I I don't think it fits. And to me, it's like like the computer voice being too futuristic. Like for me, like I feel like that's a trope of like eighties and early nineties, like mm-hmm. Ziggy yeah. Kit. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are other examples that I'm forgetting. That's just like too dated of a thing. Computer. Yeah. That's why I wonder if, if she's going to come back at all. But I, I, but it would be nice if there was a way to do it where what you're saying is that maybe briefly she comes, comes back. back yeah, briefly whatever. comes back in some way. There yeah. will be a moment where we pan in and Ian is talking to Ziggy. And as they ask Ziggy a question, we hear a response in Deborah Pratt's voice. And then the camera pans down and it turns out that there's a technician underneath working on Ziggy and she rolls out and, you know, no, I'm just kidding. That's That's like I was saying that I would laugh so hard if Janice walks in and goes, what, you didn't like flip the switch? Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. what the, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, what that that's, does. Never push that. This is it. Hi. Yeah. That said, yeah. As, as towards uh, wrapping this up, I just okay. say talking about Ziggy's voice. I don't think I've mentioned this in any episode. I one. I love the fact that they used Deborah Pratt for that. It's for a great the introduction. transition. It was like a uh, handing for, off yes. of the for the hand. Not only it's like the way that Deborah read it. Like if they had any other actor read it, it would have been very dry. It would have been. It would have been very, you know, transactional, very informational, and that was it. The way that Deborah read it was so theatrical. It was almost like the equivalent to like the the opening. Uh, I can't think of the right word. Overture. That's it. The opening overture of a musical. Mm-hmm. It was almost it was, it was very a this very theatrical fashion, thing. Yeah. yeah, and it was just I love it. No, it was really it was wonderful, and it was unexpected. So it really touched me. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's yeah, nice. it was. It, it, and, it made it feel very real hearing that for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Like, and also reminding like, wow. people when it was supposed to take place. Because I, right. you know, I, I you know, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's the future and you hear 99, 1999 a lot. But I think some people forget that it started in 95. But uh, but also 
as an adult to look back and go, wait, this wasn't like 20 years in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like as a kid, you're like, it's so far off. It's, it's 1999. Like, that's not that far away, kid. I know. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so the thing that I learned most importantly out of this entire episode is that podcast of the new fanzines. That's right. There you go. (laughs) There we go. Lauren, where can people find you online if they want to find you? Sure. I am on uh, Twitter. I'm on Hive. Because, you know, Twitter might be going away. Um, Instagram, <laughs> um, pretty much my handle is my full name. Um, L-A-U-R-E-N-M-I-L-B-E-R-G-E-R. I'm sure it's probably listed in this episode somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, website, laurenmilberger.com, uh, Murphy Brown Pod. You can follow us there. We're on a little bit of a break, but there are hundreds of episodes you can get through. We also have um, interviews with all of the cast members and people who are on Quantum Leap. Uh, you can check that out or just enjoy Murphy Brown and uh, uh, my work, I guess. And uh, you're happy to talk to me about Quantum Leap on Twitter, but you should probably also yell at me to go back and write my teleplay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, we are always happy to talk to you, whether it's on Twitter or now here through the, the miracle of technology or something more, who knows, Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we look forward to doing it again very, very soon because there's. Yeah, I hope so. I have a, a list of things we can, to talk we can about. get to. Mm-hmm. I know. It's talking the way it always about, happens. Talking about Al's trauma just takes so much time. Well, <laughs> I, I have at least five <laughs> note cards that we did not get to. So we'll. We'll get to them some other time. That's at least five <laughs> more episodes. Um, there we go. <laughs> and maybe by the so, time we talk about it again, we'll have answers. Uh, I, well, Perhaps. you know, I, I think we're going to get to it sooner than that for some of the note cards. But maybe, yeah, maybe a couple of those we'll hold off on until after the season wraps up. We'll see. Um, but uh, I, I, I take that to... I, well, uh, the, yeah. With it, we, we, hopefully... By the time this episode drops, shortly thereafter, we'll have had the opportunity to talk to some more people. We'll get some more ideas, and we'll we'll throw them all out at you the next time uh, we have you on. Um, which, like I said, is 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 a sure thing uh, oh, as long so as you're sweet. willing. If you're oh, willing to come back, that is absolutely. This was a joy. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis. You got anything else? No, you know, we, uh, for the sake of time, we have some, a couple lovely letters, but we'll save them for a future episode. What we're doing next episode, we don't know. It, our podcast is such an interesting place right now where we now, with this one, we have four episodes in the bank. Um, I think we have an idea of what the next one we're going to publish is. Who knows is. which you'll hear first. <laughs> Who knows? So, uh, depending on where you're where you're at now, we may have another thing. I, I, I don't know what exactly is coming up next in our lineup for right now. Uh, but stay tuned. And we have less than a month. Not less than a month. Yeah. Less than a month. Yeah. Less than a month. It'll be four this weeks on December tomorrow. the fourth. Yeah. Uh, four probably weeks. A lot. And a lot closer by the time that we drop this episode. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, me too. Me too. It'll be nice to kind of really, truly, you know, get back in the swing of things. Um, we we unintended, unintentionally, I think, took a little extra time off. So it's good to be 
back recording stuff we've got you know interviews and 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 we've got fun collaborations uh and uh, we'll we'll get stuff out here um maybe there'll be like two episodes dropping in one week just because uh it looks like we're gonna have some extra content uh, since we kind of got a week behind uh so we really appreciate you all hanging in there with us uh listening uh following starting the conversations uh having all these wonderful conversations it's just such a joy to see it it, it makes being a part of this fandom feel so much more immediate than it has in uh, you know, 30 years. Uh, and back then I was a little kid and I didn't have a pen pal like Lauren did. So, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I don't have to go through the effort of writing letters and putting a stamp on them. Um, but, but thank you all so much for taking the time out to listen to us. Um, take care of yourselves, uh, take care of one another, stay safe out there and remember to always leap responsibly. And time I want to stay I want to go